Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. Hello, and welcome back to Gain, Grow, Retain. On today's episode, we're sitting down with Carrie Gregg from Ministry Brands, which is a family of software companies across North America serving more than 115,000 churches and faith-based organizations. We had the opportunity to sit down with Carrie and talk about just how she built customer success from the ground up. It was really interesting to hear about how she thought about the investment plan, how she thought about providing value and taking that back into the executive team uh, to kind of prove out that this is working. So um, enjoy and take a listen. Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Let's talk a little bit about the what you're doing at Ministry Brands with customer success. And really, I think the most interesting part that we've really engaged with you on before and have heard a lot about is just, you know, starting from zero and, you know, do we need customer success? And also then how do we start making the business case? So curious if you can maybe shed some light on how you got to a point where you said, hey, customer success is important to the business and also just how you approached it from a investment profile. Like how did you think about, you know, taking your thesis back into the organization and really saying, Hey, here's, you know, here's how many headcount we need, or here's what I'm thinking about in terms of uh, kind of technology or anything. Just curious if we can start us there and we'll see where the conversation goes. Yeah. I think, you know, we've always known that customer success needed to be a focus area, but we just never really knew how to start or get there. (laughs) You know, especially uh, we were a new company uh, juggling so many priorities. We were growing pretty quickly. So there's just a lot of things that need to happen with a pretty small team. Um, We tried launching certain aspects of success, you know, like onboarding calls after an account goes live, um, engagement calls, things like that in various times in the past, but they were either never really tracked well or other priorities came up, which made us pivot away to something else. Um, I've been with the company for seven years now, and in the early years, we had a small, nimble team. I mean, we still do, but we really had a small, nimble team then. So some of those like customer success tasks really felt quote unquote, fluffy, (laughs) or they were things that we just couldn't accurately justify because we didn't have metrics or tracking. And so we just pushed them aside for things that simply needed to be done to keep the business operating. Um, So the thought of launching a full out success program or coming out of the gate with six headcount, job descriptions, uh, you know, day-to-day tasks, who was managing who, that was just all really intimidating. And so it was tough to get anyone on our leadership team excited about what could be because all they could see were the expenses of headcount and we were not prepared. Um, I'd say within the last two years, we've really started getting serious about entertaining the idea of customer success and what that could mean for the growth of our business and the success of our customers. So with an increasing number of competitors in our space, we knew we just needed to tackle success and more directly engagement head on to prevent customers from canceling and finding a different provider and leaving us. Um, So from there, we, created business case. Um, we started with our pilot program, which went pretty well. Um, I'm assuming we'll talk about that later, so I won't go into those details here. Um, but when we started the business case for building the customer success team, we wanted to make sure first that we had impactful data to share with the executive team. That's why the pilot was so important for us to be able to uh, take a small group of customers and really dive in head first with them to figure out what we needed to figure out ahead of time. So the first thing I had to do was really sit down and think realistically about what I wanted to ask our executives for. Uh, I knew that there were essentially three options for us and I wanted to lay them all out for them to review and then let them decide 
but obviously try to guide them a little bit into the answer I wanted. <laughs> um, so for us, those options were uh, number one, re-engage the consultants to help us. Um, number two, to try to pick this up and do it ourselves. Or three, do nothing, which obviously was not the response I wanted. <laughs> yeah. I've been fine with either Let's one. Let's avoid that one at, at all costs. <laughs> right. Um, I, I really would have been fine with either the first option or the second option. Uh, they came out to about the same cost expense-wise, but at the place where we were at the time, I really thought having consultants help us get this off the ground was going to be the better option. So that's the way I phrased all that to leadership. Um, at that point, we had one employee helping us with this, and so the consultants would have filled the gap of having a, a success leadership team um, doing the metrics and the performance and all of that, whereas our one employee could really just hit the ground running and execute. Um, submitted that proposal to our leadership team, and after much anticipation, it was not approved. <laughs> um, to be honest, I was really disappointed. Um, in my previous life, I was a grant writer, and I thought a pretty good one. And so to get get turned down for my first official business proposal was really upsetting to me. <laughs> um, so, you know, I took a day to mourn or whatnot and gathered myself and said, okay, we're going to do this again. Um, so I had to go back to the drawing board and really think through another option. Um, so I, I, at that point, decided to take a look at the option of trying to take success on ourselves without the help of consultants and see if I could get approval that way. Um, so from there, I broke it down into a few different items. I looked at the cost. So what was going to be our total cost of launching success ourselves? How much was it going to cost for us to add headcount? Um, if we wanted to give a salary bump to the current employee, um, were there any other incentives or bonus structures we wanted to add into this? Um, any additional system costs? Like I literally just started an Excel spreadsheet and was like, employee A needs to make 40000 or, you know, whatever it was. And um, just literally line itemed all the costs just so I could say this is how much it's going to cost for us to run this program. The second thing I did was figure out the timing. So when were we actually going to start this? You know, at the time it was like October, November. So we said January was probably a good option for us um, to get through end of year giving with churches. And so when were we going to start this process? When would we expect seeing headcount come into play and trained? When were we going to start seeing results? Because that was really the bottom line of what the executives wanted to see. Um, and then thinking through the math, and this was really the hard part. So I had to think about all those costs that I laid out and what were we gonna do to number one, cover those costs because that's the important part, but then number two, how are we then going to grow the revenue so that we're making exponentially more than if we didn't have a success team? So I had to think about who was gonna lead the team, what were their day-to-day -day activities gonna be, what were our expectations gonna be, what were they actually going to do? Um, so for example, I started with um, average customer revenue per year, right? So how much in one year does an average customer make? Okay, now how does that customer get to that <laughs> revenue amount? How many calls do we need to make? How quickly do they need to do the product adoption? Um, do we need to go visit them in person? You know, what are the things that we need to do to get them to that amount? And then just backed into uh, those numbers uh, from a strategy perspective. So that was really the hardest part. And I had to uh, ask phone a friend <laughs> a few times, uh, in that area to make sure I was covering everything. Um, but that was really the meat of the request to know, okay, if we do this, we can expect this for an outcome, uh, revenue or retention or whatever it may be. And then go ahead. No, I was going to say, this is why I, lo I love uh, that we're talking to you about this because I, I uh, was hoping that you came with like this, this detailed list and um, I just, you know, working with you, I, I know that that's um, how you operate. So even, um, 
not to interrupt to just how you're, you're thinking yeah. about the kind of the evolution of that too, but um, even looking at, we'll say like the outcomes, like what in your mind was like, like number one outcome, if you had to pick one thing, like, and to say like, oh, this was going to be a success and the executive team would like it. Like, you know, when you look at that, was it a, was it retention increase or was it, um, or was it even just client satisfaction or were there other factors in there? Like, what do you think even was that number one thing? Yeah, for us at the time, it was really retention. Um, we wanted to focus heavily on onboarding and engagement, but the reality was where we are in the business and with the market, I mean, retention is huge right now. So um, the majority of the effort that we took once we got all of this approved was focusing solely on retention. And then once we got new headcount up and running, then we could start focusing on the onboarding and the engagement side so that it would then slow down the retention amount so that we could then put that person back on onboarding and engagement, you know, which then prevents churn. So um, we kind of had to start backwards and then work our way the other way. Yeah, it makes sense. It's an interesting um, thought process that you just had there too. Like, you know, I think when we walk into organizations, there is this interesting dynamic that starts to happen, um, especially if you're growing and you, you're kind of building this from the ground up. And it's, there's so many jobs that have to happen. You know, you can't, theoretically, like one person can't do them all, right? You can't onboard and then have them adopt the platform and also renew and build the commercial relationship and all these things. So it is kind of interesting that you have to pick. Um, and so like you were saying, you know, picking, hey, we need to start kind of from the back and work our way up um, is really interesting. We start and make sure that we can uh, make sure that we're getting the renewal from them and make sure that they're, you know, seeing the value and then kind of work back and say, how do we then start kind of getting ahead of some of these problems? And let's look at onboarding and some of the adoption plans that we have uh, that can helpfully start curbing uh, what we're seeing on the back end. And so it's an interesting dynamic, especially because um, I think when we see really early companies, the thought process or kind of what we almost um, think about for them is actually starting, you know, with onboarding and with support. But like you said, you're growing so fast and there's so much to do that you really don't have or can't really afford um, to have the time, you know, to pick everything. And so you have to do make that decision. And luckily for you, I think it was the right one. Um, and ultimately, you know, I think it kind of served you in two facets. One is um, you kind of stopped uh, or looked at the retention and hopefully were able to address that. Um, you had one person that could focus and learn about what the activity should be and, and how they should start thinking about what a, uh, what a customer success manager might look like within your company. And then also, I think it also helps show some of the value, right? Like you could show the executive team pretty early on that we're, um, you know, saving, saving people or organizations from leaving the company um, or even, hey, we're actually driving value and there's increased um, revenue that's coming from these companies that we're actually engaging with on a regular basis. And so that was a good point for you to hopefully have some metrics that they would, they would see that. And then, um, like you said, as you start to grow that organization, then turn your way back into onboarding and, and kind of some of the earlier parts. Yeah, and, and that was honestly a struggle for me personally, and maybe there are other people that experience that too, of just being real linear thinkers <laughs> and knowing, okay, if I'm going to create a program or a project, like I'm literally going to start at the beginning and work my way forward. And that just didn't work out for us that way um, yep. because it was too much planning and not enough execution. And so we had to kind of flip flop and really think, okay, well, what can we do that's realistic with the people we have and the resources we have? Um, let's just start there and then find the biggest need and then let's work our way backwards. And, you know, now we've built a team of uh, four people um, in six months who, you know, are really crushing it and we're really pleased with the effort that they've been able to put forth. So it was a huge learning curve for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know we, you had mentioned this earlier um, as, a, as a big point, I guess, along the journey of, of kind of building this out in the organization, but uh, maybe talk through a little bit about the pilot program and just how important, like you said, it was really important to ultimately getting the executive buy-in, you know, having this period of time where kind of, hey, let me 
let me show you, let me kind of sink or swim, right? And then we'll decide if this is a long-term investment area that we really need. So um, talk us through how you kind of approached that, that pilot program and, and maybe what the outcome um, was and, and how you went from there. Yeah, the pilot program was a pretty easy decision on our part, um, mainly because we had a change in personnel right before the pilot. And so everything that we had planned for and prepared for just kind of went out the window. And we were like, oh, shoot, <laughs> like, what do we do now? Um, and so, you know, customer imperative came in at the right time. Um, shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, came in at the right time and, and you know, offered to help us with this pilot. And instead of biting off more than we can chew, like, hey, let's just take 200 customers or let's take 100 customers and really try hard, <laughs> you know, on our success efforts with these customers. And let's just see what metrics we can get. And then from there, we can blow this out into a, a bigger option. Um, so had the change in personnel not happened, we may not have had the pilot and we may not even be where we are now. Um, so it ended up working out well for us. Um, but honestly, if I'm being totally transparent, um, my expectations going into the pilot were not like incredibly high. <laughs> um, but I was still hopeful um, only because I, again, have been a part of this company for a long time. And those efforts that we have tried in the past for customer success just weren't successful. And so you know, I was hopeful because customer imperative brought a different set of skills and unbiased opinions. Um, so I, I knew I could trust that what you guys were telling us was going to be helpful. Uh, but at the same time, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, we've already done this before. <laughs> you know, it didn't work out. So, you know, we'll give it one more shot and see what happens. Um, but throughout the pilot, I mean, we met weekly with you guys, um, which I think was really instrumental in keeping the team engaged and excited about what was happening. Um, if those meetings were not as frequent as they were, I think we all would have lost interest and gone back to our daily operational tasks. Um, so those were really important. Um, I enjoyed us being able to celebrate the wins that we had, even as small as they were, as frequently as we did too. Um, so having those meetings, not only were we able to talk about the metrics and, you know, what are you working on? What are we working on? What can we, what can we help you with? Um, but the person that we had doing the um, actual efforts would share like some really cool stories from the churches that we serve that we wouldn't have been able to hear before. Um, so it was really cool to see the numbers and the analytics, but also the qualitative and narrative story around it as well, to know that what we were doing is actually working. So uh, at the end of the pilot, I was very satisfied with our results and where we ended. Um, even though our pilot only included a small number of organizations, the data that we did receive back showed us obvious places where if we put more effort, then we'll get more return. And that's really the crux of what I needed to be able to present that to our leadership team. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I think the, the pilot concept is such a good way to dip your toe in the water and, and also test a few things, right? Like, like, we didn't even know if even through the pilot program, right? Is this the right type of engagement? Do we need to be calling or emailing? Like, we just needed to, an opportunity to also learn how, um, you know, the organizations that you guys serve, mainly, you know, churches, how they actually interacted, what are, how do they staff their uh, organizations themselves like who do we really need to be talking to and engaging with for you know this company be, to be successful uh, which I think is another interesting piece so I was curious too that as you as you thought about and you know you mentioned uh, kind of having uh, some doubts as we go went into the pilot do you think that was also partly because um, the engagement model for churches and kind of the engagement that's there is actually you know fairly different than we'll say just a normal uh, normal business you know a normal kind of business that's actually buying software that um, has used software before and maybe a little bit more sophisticated in terms of the technology? Like, do you feel like that was another uh, maybe apprehension that you had is just the, you know, obviously the, the people at these churches are great. They do great things. They, um, you know, are, are kind of 
building this great community, but at the same time, they're not necessarily always buying technology and understanding the use cases and how they should be using it, leveraging it. Um, and, you know, I think not even working normal hours all the time, you know, so I think that was that a challenge that you felt like you guys, or you had maybe coming into the pilot as well that um, you needed to kind of work through? Yeah, and that was one of the things we learned from the pilot as well, <laughs> as to <laughs> capture the data of the correct person associated with the organization to actually get in t contact with because, um, you know, with churches, many of the folks that were signing up for accounts with us were finance leaders or business leaders in the church, and they're really great at what they do. They're numbers people, they're reports people, um, they're awesome at that, um, but for some churches, you know, they may have larger staffs where maybe somebody else is handling the um, marketing of the product to their to their donor base or, um, you know, encouraging their donors to use the product or whatever, uh, promote it within their church. So that's not always the same person in a church setting. It could be, um, it could not be. And so through the pilot, we had to figure out like who those people were so that we could actually get in touch with the right people who could then go and share the good news, <laughs> you know, with everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I feel like churches have, um, church administrators are just a different breed in general um, from general public standard users. Um, yeah. They require a little bit more handholding. Um, they want more communication. Um, they want more engagement. They want to be involved. They want to understand what they're using versus like if they just download an Apple app and move on just, with their life. You yeah, know? just go to the next thing. Yeah, so, you know, and our product's not that difficult to use, um, but for many churches, um, they're not using technology at all. Um, so this may be their first attempt at online giving or database system. And so having to walk them through, okay, now you don't have to track your members on an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> like you can actually yeah. do that in a product that will help you out and, you know, help you with your giving and increase your giving at your church. You know, it's just a, it's a different experience for our customer base. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really, um, you know, as you start thinking about it, it's really kind of disrupting the the space, right? It's kind of disrupting what they're used to and, and introducing a technology that you have to kind of really educate them on, on how the best to use, which is why I think it was great to, you know, the person that you had leading these customer success efforts, I think, um, was a great, a great mix of kind of a, uh, in the back, or I guess some of the traits that I would describe, you know, this person were, were definitely consultative, right? A lot of question asking, just curiosity and kind of getting in, um, you know, really great uh, people and relationship skills. So the ability to kind of quickly break a wall and kind of get through and say, hey, I'm really here to help. And I think, um, too, the third thing I would probably describe, too, is just the the actual, um, the actual just belief that she had, you know, in serving the organizations and actually seeing them successful. You know, she wanted that at the end of the day more than anything. And so I think you, you saw all those things and it was like this perfect breed of a person to put in, um, you know, as kind of the, the first person to lead some of these efforts. You know, we often say when we're talking to organizations who are trying to build it from the ground up that you kind of need this, this um, kind of talented person that's across the spectrum can do a lot of different things because um, you just know that there's, in the early days as you're building this, as you're building the processes, as you're learning, you know, how are we engaging with them? Are we calling or emailing? Or what are the hours? Do we have the right person? You just need somebody who's really gonna kind of soak all that information in and be okay with on the fly. Like, cool, I just learned this five minutes ago. I'm gonna use it now in my next conversation. Um, and I felt like that was the, the person that you had come in. So how did you, you know, as you went through the pilot program and figured out, you know, that you might have the ability to start kind of growing uh, this customer success team, what were your kind of next thoughts as you, you, know, you had this person, let's say that was great, um, you know, in multiple areas and really was kind of the foundation of the pilot and learning as much as possible. So how did you think about maybe um, kind of bringing in complement skill sets to kind of fill out that team and what you needed? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, at first we had to sit back and truly define what quality qualities there would be in an expert or any person in this position or industry, because, you know, we've got competitors out there in the market, um, but we don't know much about them and we don't know, you know, whatever uh, on their side. So we had to think about for us and our customer base, what makes the most sense? What kind of qualities do we need or want in a uh, new hire or employee that's really going to go after the expectations that we want out of this. Um, so at first we were looking for people who could just quite frankly get stuff done. <laughs> um, so like the person we had helping us through the pilot, um, she was very good at just executing and, and getting stuff done. Um, we looked for people who were polite on the phone and had a working knowledge of churches and nonprofits. That's initially kind of our baseline. Like you got to have all these check marks, um, you know, to qualify. But then from there we decided you know, we wanted to focus on engagement. So we wanted to find people who had marketing or analytical backgrounds who could um, help with kind of the creative side of promoting their online giving page or, or product with their donor base. Um, we also wanted the analytical side to um, really focus with churches on account reviews. You know, what are you using? What are you not using as part of the account? Did you know that we offered this? Hmm. Did you know you're way overpaying for XYZ somewhere else? Uh, we really wanted someone to have those uh, think critical thinking skills. Um, but then we also started to look for a pastoral type. So for us, that was very important to have someone who was a really good listener, uh, who was patient, and truly wants to see the ministry succeed. Um, so you know, we work with a lot of pastors who wear multiple hats. Some of them are also the finance people. And so we needed those creative, critical thinkers to also be the pastoral type and provide virtual hugs, you know, where they can. Um, I mean, even recently, um, with some of the natural disasters we've had over the summer, there were some tornadoes and we had our success team call out to some of the pastors that were in those areas, just proactively, just, hey, we're praying for you. Like, can I pray with you here on the phone? You know, did you have anyone impacted by the tornado? Um, so just having those kinds of conversations um, for us in our in our business and in our market, a non-pastoral type probably would not be a good fit. Um, but that's just related to, you know, what we're trying to do here. Everything else, in my opinion, is trainable. <laughs> you know, so yeah. if, if you have those like main skills, then you would be really successful with our company um, in this type of role. Everything else we can train you. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the you know, we get asked that question all the time who is a customer success manager or in this, you know, engagement um, specialist or whatever, you know, this role that you kind of think of from a um, customer success standpoint, you know, we always get asked like what traits, what, you know, what are you really looking for? And I mean, you hit the nail on some of the heads, you know, just um, analytical, they can, you know, learn and listen well, the critical thinkers. Um, and so then people start to say, you know, well, that sounds like a lot of people out there. And then you start actually interviewing and hearing people and you're kind of like, no, there's, there are some certain, um, phrases or there's just a certain kind of aura about some people as you get on the phone as you meet them in person where you're just kind of like man you can really see that um, they understand it they get it you know they do the right research and things like that but um, I do think it, like you had mentioned though it's interesting understanding your team and kind of evaluating the skill set you have and then being able to figure out okay is this really going to be a compliment and where can I use you know this skill set to, to kind of achieve the best thing um, for them and the best thing for our, our, our organization you know we look at talent evaluation um, really seriously because it, it's you know detrimental to both the person and the organization we talk all the time about putting the right butts in the right seats and it's it's just really important as you start building an organization to try and, and minimize as many um corrections as you can and, and this is just a big one um but how you know as you kind of again looked at the maybe you know bringing people in and now you've got a team of four 
And we kind of talked earlier about the pilot program and some of the metrics and things you were looking at. So do you feel like the metrics have evolved since the pilot program and, you know, where you're going now? And do you still have uh, maybe that same intensity within the organization that you talked about earlier as well as of kind of seeing the good results and, you know, getting the wins and really kind of building up some of the momentum that you guys have as a customer success organization? Yeah, that's a great question. And our metrics have totally changed <laughs> uh, since the pilot in a really good way. Um, so when I submitted the second proposal for approval with our leadership team, it did receive unanimous approval. But there was a huge caveat <laughs> that the leadership team wanted to know exactly what metrics we were going to be tracking, how often we were going to be tracking them. And then they wanted to be kept in the loop on the results so that um, depending on how we delivered, we would either expand or then course correct, right? Um, yeah. So we started out pretty simple of just how many calls are we making? <laughs> I mean, it was just super simple of let's just yeah. track, you know, how many onboarding calls are we making? How many engagement calls are we making? How many VIP customers are we calling? Um, how many cancellations have there been? How many did we retain? You know, and then dollar amounts associated with those. Um, so that was really where we started. Um, I would say within the last month, again, we've only been doing this for about six, seven months now officially. Um, but within the last month, we've started to expand that even further. So um, how long does it take for the customer to process their first transaction? So now we're starting to move from the reactive uh, KPIs and really focus on proactive. So what are the I, you know, lead lag indicators, all those sort of things, but you know, what are, how often or how quickly do we need to call a customer after they launch their product with us? what's the kind of that sweet spot, you know, to call them and get in touch with them? Is it the same day their account goes live? Is it within a week, um, a month? <laughs> you know, what makes sense? We're kind of playing around there to determine best fit. Um, but how quickly after we make the call and they launch their account, are they processing their first transaction? So then we can take those metrics and then break it down even more. And interestingly enough, just going to throw this out there, um, we learned that in 2018, our time to first transaction was 21 days from the time of launch. Yep almost a month. Um, now 2019, we're at almost 10 days. So wow. 10 days. So huge improvement, um, even in the short time period. And all that was was adding a phone call. Yeah. Um, we weren't doing that before. So, you know, now we can take that number and use that as our benchmark for the last half of this year of, okay, well, how can we get this under five days or under three days? Or how can we get it the same day? You know, what makes the most sense uh, realistically for a church that we serve, but also for our own resources and automation and things like that. So um, now we're tracking, we've got a couple programs in the works. So we're tracking who's involved in the program, what's their activity in the program, um, how often are we calling these folks? I mean, it's, it's really evolving. Um, and every month we come up with something new to track that we weren't thinking about before. Yeah, that's the the leading and lagging um, picture that you just described as well. It's such a really amazing evolution as you think about it. And, you know, again, kind of depicting the the journey that you've been on in going back to the beginning where you said, hey, we actually had to start at the um, end, you know, and make sure we could actually get renewals and, and make sure people were actually using the platform and then kind of move all the way to the beginning. And, and your metrics are starting to do that too, right? Nick, now all of a sudden we're looking at time to value and time to first transaction as the first um, kind of point as, you know, did we hit this? Did we not? Like we always think about it from a p-value perspective. And um, like you're saying, you know, if it's 10 days, it's either yes or no, right? Like we either hit that or we didn't. And if we didn't, you know, how do we learn from that? And then, you know, do we need to actually take it from 10 to 11? Or um, do we learn something new about how churches operate that we can then share with the group and kind of build um, consensus about how to, how to engage or how to move forward? So that's amazing. That's awesome. Um, I'm curious too, as you, uh, so you outlined a lot of the metrics, you, know, you talked about the executive team getting buy-in 
um, from them and obviously being extremely important. But have you noticed um, maybe other organizations around the, you know, around the company so, or uh, other departments around the organization? So, you know, sales or marketing, are there other um, organizations or other functions in the organization that are now kind of looking at this and saying like, wow, look at, look at what they're doing. Hey, you know, now I can kind of get maybe some marketing resources. You mentioned automation, you know, Hey, can I get some marketing resources to help me? Hey, sales, like, here's how we're, you know, thinking about the onboarding experience and making sure that they know and, and can adjust anything in their cycle. So are you starting to see kind of the cross collaboration start to come in as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the person we have leading the charge now, um, on her own, without any prompting from me, <laughs> she set up a, a cross-brand collaboration call that's every other week. Um, and it includes success leaders from our division, which is giving. Um, we also, uh, on other parts of the business, serve for databases, websites, background checks, um, all sorts of fun church communication and product tools. Um, and so she set up this call and every other week they meet together and talk through like, hey, what are you guys doing? What are we doing? You know, we created this really cool content around XYZ. Like, do you want to have a copy of it and reshare it? And so she started that uh, on her own, kind of from the grassroots level. And then uh, from the top level, um, every month I have to share an operations review with our leadership team, which covers everything from sales support, success, um, general business operations. And over the last couple operations reviews, I've been sharing a significant amount about our success team because we're seeing a lot of great wins there. Um, well, our entire executive team listens in on this call and um, they have decided to also reach out to other folks in the business and say, hey, you should go talk to Carrie <laughs> and figure <laughs> out what they're doing <laughs> and replicate that for your business. And so um, in June, we had our general manager meeting. We were all together and um, the leadership team had asked me to present on customer success and what our team is doing. So every general manager was in the room <laughs> able to share with them you know, how we're tracking this, um, what resources we have, just kind of the bare bones of how to make this get off the ground, essentially. Um, so not as detailed as this call, but, you know, just generalities around this is how many people we needed. This is what we're doing. You can totally replicate this yourself if you have X, you know, in, in dollar costs. Um, so that's gone really well. A lot of folks have already started implementing a few things here and there. And about every week, I get another email or phone call from someone who's like, Hey, can you remind me like what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> with whatever? And so then they can take that and do what they want there. So um, it's been really exciting to see how other folks have really taken a hold of what we're doing and try to replicate that for their own business. Every business we have, you know, under our umbrella is a little bit different, unique, but to take the structure of what we've done and replicate it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And I think the evolution, like you said, just um, obviously, we were lucky that to be involved throughout the process um, at various points as you guys, you know, led the pilot program and some of these other things. So we, we certainly um, saw the, the shift that happened, but to now even be, a, you know, further on the other side of the pilot and see just the success of uh, growing it to four team members and really seeing uh, not only are your customers, you know, becoming more successful, but the, you know, the business ministry brands is becoming more successful. Um, so it's awesome. And we really appreciate you taking some time with us today. You know, I know, um, when we asked you, you know, you were, you know, gracious enough to give us time and uh, come prepared and uh, be willing to, to talk with us. So we appreciate that. And, and hopefully we'll continue to see the, the evolution for you guys grow and um, become even more successful. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I'm happy to be a part and share any other information. I mean, we honestly could not have done what we've done in the last seven months without customer imperative. Again, another shameless plug. Yeah, <laughs> I did not pay you or ask you to say that. <laughs> right, but it's true. I mean, like I said, we, we didn't know how to start. Um, we knew what we needed, but we didn't know how to get there. Um, and 
we just needed the confidence, we needed the tools, we needed the knowledge, <laughs> we needed all of that. And you guys really helped to fill the gap there of what we didn't have. And so then, you know, following the pilot, we were able to successfully ask for what we needed um, and then make it happen. And I think that's the most exciting part is, you know, we literally completed the pilot almost a year ago this month. So, yeah. um, you know, within a year, how much we've been able to do just in our small business unit um, has been pretty crazy. And I'm excited for it and I'm thankful for you guys and all your help and encouragement. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.